when I was in high school, um, uh, anybody remember we used to could read the, uh, the Bible verses in high school, right? You know, you could do that. Now they just tase you and throw you under the back, uh, uh, back of the building, right? But, uh, uh, but we used to read, the, the, and of course, I was barely saved. I wasn't saved when I started high school. Uh, but um, but they, they'd go in there and read these uh, a lot of these verses. And, of course, by law, you're required at least once every now and then to read Psalm 23. And, um, and I think part of the reason why they read Psalm 23, because there's only uh, six verses in the whole, whole chapter there. But, um, but Psalm 23 starts out with saying, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Uh, and, uh, you know, that verse right there makes a lot of people upset because if it's true, then, then uh, should you ever have any wants in your life? You should never live a life without any wants, right? Uh, uh, and uh, notice it doesn't say, I shall not uh, need. It says, I shall not want, right? Uh, and so, you know, if we, we're not going to go in the New Testament because we could preach this all day long. But, um, you know, the Lord desires for you to have, uh, in fact, he said in Matthew chapter 6, he said uh, that uh, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the Lord, and that's what the Lord Jesus prayed. And, of course, everybody knows the Lord's Prayer, right? It's not actually the Lord's Prayer, but everybody knows that prayer. Uh, but they don't really think about it. If, if God's desire is that his will is done right here on this earth, just like it's in heaven, then our model for how we should be living on the earth is heaven, right? So, if, so how much sickness and disease is there in heaven? Well, I mean, every, every human being that knows anything about the Lord knows that there's no sickness and disease in heaven. So if there's no sickness and disease in heaven, what's God's will for, the people, for his people on the earth? No sickness and disease on, uh, in his people on the earth, right? And then uh, if you, uh, what about the poverty and lack? Is there any poverty and lack in heaven? Any soup kitchens in heaven? Food stamps, right? Uh, government subsidies? Uh, none of that stuff in heaven, right? And nothing wrong with that, you know, as far as there's no sin in, involved in that, but there's no need for it because there's no lack in heaven. So if there's no lack in heaven, what's God's will for the earth? No lack on the earth, right? If that's God's will in heaven, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? So that's not really that hard to understand, and yet uh, wars are fought. I mean, you know, just mentioning this, I'm sure, uh, you know, if, uh, uh, of course, nobody's here uh, uh, has a problem with that, I know, but um, uh, there's certain circles in our church that just, they get so mad at you, you know, just for, for saying, well, I'm just saying what the Bible says. I didn't write this, right? I said, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Well, we could talk a long time about fear, right? Uh, how much fear is the church in? How much fear is the church in compared to the rest of the world? Not much difference, right? We're still fearful of the economy and fearful of the plague and fearful of, uh, you know, I mean, uh, of course, when COVID hit, it was, to me, it was just, it was really uh, interesting to observe how much fear was in the church. Because remember in Psalm 25, Psalm 23, so Psalm 91, uh, he said that no plague shall come nigh my dwelling. A thousand shall fall at my side, 10,000 my right hand, and it shall not come nigh me. Is that what it says? So if that's true, then why should I fear, right? There's no need to fear because he said, I will fear no evil. Uh, and and he's, it's not that he's not involved in things. He's walking through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, and that's really why. Well, why do you not, not have to fear? Because he's with me. And you know, this sounds like a pat answer. Well, you know, I don't fear because God's with me. But do you really know that he's with you? Do you believe that he's with you? Do you sense that he's with you? See, if you really do, then, you know, you can walk through whatever, and it's, it, there's no fear. 
Uh, and this is Old Testament. You know, he doesn't have the advantage of being born again and have the Spirit of God inside of him. Uh, For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Uh, and, you know, the Lord has no concept of waste. He's just such a wasteful God. Look at this. He's uh, not, not just pouring what you need, but more you need. So much you need just running out, spilling everywhere, making a mess, and, and wasting it, right? What a waste. And uh, Well, is that what the Lord does? Uh, why? He's, is he concerned it's going to run out? He's not going to run out of whatever he's got. So what's it matter if it runs over, right? Uh, and, and the nice thing about when it runs over, you know it's full. You know, a lot of times, you know, well, is it full yet? Well, it's not quite full. You know, you go to, you know, you go to the drive-in, you know, drive through and you get your drink. It's like, well, uh, and I've done it before. It's like, would you mind actually filling this up? You know, you ever done that? <laughs> you give you a cup, and it's like, uh, I think you can get more in here, right? And, and so, you know, they, they fill it up until all the bubbles come to the top, and then they hand it to you, and then when all the bubbles go away, then you got a half a glass, right? Uh, but anyway, uh, that's not how the Lord operates. The Lord operates till it's running over. And spilling everywhere, well, what, what should you do with the running over? Well, you can give it away, right? You just give it to somebody else. So my cup runneth over. And again, you know, that verse uh, in, in connection with the verse 1 would make a lot of people upset right there, right? But that's the way the Lord operates. That's his economy. His economy is he runs over. He just pours it in until it's just a, not just full, right? Because full is great, but it's just running over. If it's running over, then, then you know, you've got to do something with the extra there. And then verse 6, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I, I really like verse 6 because when I look behind me, I should see goodness and mercy, right? A lot of times people look behind them and they see all the dead bodies that they've killed over the years, right? Uh, but um, uh, we should be living a life so that everything we leave behind us is goodness and mercy. Amen? There should be a trail of goodness and mercy. Not, uh, in fact, uh, right through Dayton, uh, you know what they they call this path through Dayton for the Indians. They call it a trail of tears, right? Uh, why? Because we were horrible and terrible to the Indian population and the things we did to them. But, um, uh, but in your life, there should be a trail of goodness and mercy, right? Everywhere you've touched should be a trail of goodness and mercy. And I know people, even in the church, that is not the case, right? Everywhere they touch, it just burns it to the ground or mean and unkind. And, and that's the church, right? Uh, and so... But that's, that's the Lord's desire right there. So Psalm 23 has really got a lot of information in it. It's good to read it, right? Uh, we could talk a lot about uh, preparing a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Uh, but it's just a lot of good stuff in Psalm 23, amen? So I'd encourage you, you know, read that uh, on your own time. It's literally six verses. So, uh, you know, if you, if you can do like one verse a week and get through in a month or two, right? Uh, but um, uh, it's, it's a good chapter, amen? And it's encouraging. So, uh, why don't we stand and greet each other for just a minute? We'll get into praise and worship. Those who desire to bring harm into our lives, to bring drama into our lives, Father, to bring conflict and, and strife, Father, <clears throat> and evil into our lives. But, Father, I'm reminded of what your word says. It says, he who sits in the heavens laughs. And, Father, it's just so funny that the enemy thinks that he can bring drama and discord into my life. But, Father... <laughs> it's so funny to think about it, that he thinks he's so big, Father, and he's got so many people fooled. And there will come a day, Father, when we see him, we'll say, that's it? That's all you have? That's all you are? Father, So and that's why he who sits in the heavens laughs, because he knows the end of all things, Father. The end of all things is victory. 
the end of all things, Father, is overcoming power, Father. And so, Father, we thank you. In the midst of all of our difficulties, we can be like him who sits in the heavens. We can laugh, Father. You said in your word, Father, that, that then you made our, our tongues full of laughter, Father. Thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord, that in the midst of all situations, we can be like him who sits in the heavens. And Father, we thank you. There is no enemy that can come against us, Father. There is no enemy that can come against us and our families, Father. Father, because we're your children, you bless our children, Father. Because we're your children, you bless our families, Father. And so, Father, we thank you. We can have the victory. We can have the victory in every circumstance, Father. There is no situation, Father, that victory cannot be found. Father, there is no circumstance, Father, where the name of Jesus will not override and overrule, Father, and win. And so, Father, we are the victorious people of God. Everywhere we go, Father, we carry the name of Jesus. And every circumstance, Father, we overcome. And so, Father, we thank you. Because of that, Father, we can have fullness of joy. Father, we can be at peace. It doesn't matter what the devil says. It doesn't matter what the devil does. Father, we speak the name of Jesus. Father, it's not by our good works and our righteousness. It's by your good works and your righteousness, Father, that we have the victory. And so, Father, we remind it. We remind ourselves, Father, that we are a victorious people, that we cannot be defeated and we cannot be overcome in every, every situation, Father, and every circumstance. And there may be a, a time, Father, that we have to walk through, walk that out, Father. But that's fine, Father. We have long suffering. We have the fruit of the Spirit living in our lives. And Father, we will always win. And we thank you for that, Father. You're good and kind and merciful, Father. We thank you for these things, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. There's one other thing I want to do this morning. You know, usually uh, when the Lord, uh, just in my prayer time throughout the week, uh, oftentimes he'll speak to me about somebody uh, in the church. And then, you know, that, that usually the next service is, you know, the Lord will have me to speak that. And uh, it doesn't necessarily work this way for everybody, but a lot of ministries it works a similar way that the Lord will give you a word for somebody. And it may just be a single word. And you won't know the rest of that message to them until... Uh, you step out in faith and start speaking that out. And that's this, this, the uh, pr prophetic spirit that the Lord pr provides to the church. Uh, but um, about a month ago, uh, he's, in fact, it, uh, uh, Mr. Monty, he spoke to me about you. But uh, I, it wasn't there to, to, to speak anything. So it was really unusual. So um, I didn't know what else to do. So I just prayed, you know, and... and um, it took about a month to, to pray, and the rest of it, at least, you know, the rest of it that, that we start with, he gave that to me, and so, you know, I didn't know why there was such a delay, but I think I know why now, and, you know, you may know why now, too, but um, if it's okay, I'd like to pray for you, and um, uh, there was two things, because the first thing he, that he told me about you was um, that there are things that you can impart to people around you, but it was really in the natural realm, but that wasn't the whole thing, so there was more there. But uh, just from your experience and the things that you know and the things that you can do, that there are people that you can impart that into. Uh, but then after, like I said, it was about a month, um, and I was telling Chris about it, you know, this is really odd. Uh, but the, the second part that he said to me is the legacy. And so there's a spiritual legacy that's part of your life, part of your path of your life. 
Uh, and so the things that he wants to encourage you in is both in the natural realm, there is uh, things that you can impart to people, the knowledge, just the skills that he's given to you. But in the spirit realm, because of the legacy of your life, there are spiritual things that you can impart to people around you. And so mostly he just wants to encourage you to be sensitive about that, to look for opportunities where, you know, I can impart not just what I know about how to turn a screwdriver or whatever things you know. You know, I don't know what you know, but you know what you know. Um, you can impart those to people, but also there's a legacy of the spirit realm that you have in you that maybe you don't even appreciate as much as the Lord knows it's there. Uh, that uh, you may have to do some meditation and prayer to the Lord. What does that mean, you know? because I've got the easy part. I just have to tell you what he says, and you've got to figure out the rest, right? That's the way he does all of us. But, uh, but I want to encourage you, in, in both the natural realm and the spirit realm, there's a legacy of things that he uh, wants to use you to impart to people around you. And so I just wanted to pray for you and just encourage you in that, amen, and, and then uh, you can take it from there, right? So, well, Father, we thank you for your goodness and kindness, and Father, we thank you. But it's your desire, Father, that you plant so much into our lives that you, that you desire for us to pass it on to people around us and to be a blessing to them. And Father, for Monty, there is things in the natural realm that you've gifted him with, talents and abilities, Father, that you've placed in him before the foundation of the world that he can hand and deliver and impart to those around him. But Father, there's also a legacy of the spirit realm, things that he knows of you, Father, things that he knows of the spirit realm, that others need to hear from him and to be imparted by him. And so, Father, I thank you that in the days and, and weeks and, and the, the periods to come that you will show him exactly what he can impart to others, Father. And, Father, you'll stir up those things in him as he stirs them up. Uh, you'll bring to remembrance legacy years, Father, even of things of the Spirit that he knows that will be of great value to those around him. And, Father, we thank you that because of that, that the, your church will be edified and built up and strengthened because uh, he imparts that which you've imparted to him, to those around him. And we thank you for that, Father, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Well, the Lord is good, amen. He's kind and good to us, amen. We, we're, we appreciate his spirit. And... Um, just so thankful for the spirit of god amen and you know i remember when i got when i got saved um i had never gone to church you know didn't know anything about church at all and um didn't know anything about the bible and you know uh, by law you're required to watch the ten commandments every year you know we had to watch it you know all was it like 18 hours long or something like that uh but we always enjoyed it and and uh, charlton heston you know uh, I always thought Moses was Charlton Heston, and, but uh, he's not. He's just Moses, right? And so, but anyway, so, uh, but I got saved, and I got saved in a, in a word and spirit church, but I didn't know anything about the Spirit of God. I knew, no, I had no concept of who the Holy Spirit was, that there was a Holy Spirit. And of course, uh, <clears throat> by law, if you go to a charismatic church, you're supposed to speak in other tongues. Uh, and, um, but you know, I've always been kind of, uh, if you haven't noticed about me, uh, I've always been kind of, uh, uh, well, I was going to say mental, but that, that could probably sound like a uh, pejorative, right? But just, uh, you know, I think a lot, right? I, I, you know, I think about a lot of things. And, and um, um, I was going to say intellectual, but then that sounds like I'm bragging, right? So I don't know what the best way to say it. But, uh, you know, I think about a lot of things. And so, uh, <clears throat> so I didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. And, um, 
Um, so they start teaching about the Holy Spirit, speaking other tongues, and, you know, God wants to fill you with the Spirit and all of these things. And, I mean, you might as well have been talking about a, a foreign language. You know, I had no understanding of that. And so, but I desired to know about it, and, and I sensed the Spirit of God. I, I, I knew what it, what, what it was to know His presence, but I didn't know anything about Him. And so, uh, so I was studying about it, reading about it, and, and um, um, you know, sometimes we charismatic can be a little pushy, right? And so I remember a friend of mine said, hey, have you, you, know, have you been baptized with the Holy Spirit and speak with other tongues? I said, well, no, not yet, you know. He said, well, you need, you need that right now. I said, well, I know. I said, I, but I don't know anything about it, you know. Now, now some people... You know, bless their hearts, they get saved, they get baptized, the Holy Ghost, speak in tongues immediately, you know. I mean, I don't know, you know, there's something wrong with people like that that do stuff like that. But for me, I'm a little slow. I'm just, you know, I, I plod along and, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, it's not that I'm cautious or fearful. It's just, yeah, I don't know, you know. And, uh, and so uh, he demanded to pray for me anyway. He slapped his hand on my head and, and uh, prayed. And, and, of course, you know what happened, right? Nothing happened. And, and so uh, because I wasn't, re- wasn't ready for it, it wasn't that I was, you know, uh, in doubt and unbelief i just I didn't, I didn't know i didn't know i didn't you know know anything now some people just you know they don't care they just do it anyway right uh, for me i just i need to know what the foundation of the scriptures were you know what what these things mean and uh, how does this stuff work and what color is the holy spirit and how tall is he i mean you know just needed information and and uh, you know i finally got it and got baptized the holy spirit uh but um uh you know the the spirit of god is so valuable in our lives and, and if you think about father son and holy spirit uh, where is the Father and the Son right now? They're in heaven, right? It's not a trick question. They're in heaven, right? Uh, and so you, God's on the throne. You know, Jesus at the right hand of the Father. Well, the Holy Spirit's on the earth. He's the one that lives on the inside of us. And, and on a day-to-day basis, He's the one that we interact with the most, right? In the, in the vast majority of our lives, we will, we will interact with the Holy Spirit more than Jesus and the Father, right? And of course, they're, they're all one, I know, and, and those things, but... Uh, but uh, on a day-to-day basis, it's really valuable to us to learn the presence of the Spirit of God, to sense Him, because He lives on the inside of us. As if you're born-again Christian, He lives on the inside of you. Everywhere you go, he, He's there with you. Uh, and He's a great resource if you want to allow Him to be a resource. Now, if you don't want Him to be a resource and to, to tell you things to come and to instruct you and to teach you about how to speak and how to, how to, you know, how to be kind and how to not speak sometimes, right? Uh, then uh, he's a great resource, amen? Uh, but he's also very, um, uh, he's holy, right? I mean, that's his first name, Holy Spirit, right? Not really his first name, it's his title, I know, but, but uh, uh, you know, he, he tends to not want to uh, manifest himself when we're disrespectful to him. Uh, and a lot of the church becomes disrespectful to the, to the Spirit of God, you know? Uh, and it's unfortunate because He'll say, well, don't say that, and we say it anyway, or do say that, and we won't say it anyway, or we, we will say it anyway. And, and, and a lot of times we disrespect the Spirit of God, and um, uh, He will never leave us or forsake us, but sometimes He's unable to speak to us the way that He wants to because of our actions. And so I'd encourage you, you know, develop a, a strong relationship with the Spirit of God because He's the greatest resource you'll have on this earth, amen? He can get you through every circumstance, through every situation. He's what strengthens you, Amen. And so let's open up our Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 5. We'll continue there today. So we've been talking about um, the Beatitudes, and we got to uh, the, the, uh, chapter 5, verse 8. Uh, this particular Beatitude says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Uh, and so this, this one 
I believe this is one of the most important ones because what do you get if you do what it says? You get to see God, right? So that's got to be a pretty important one, right? I mean, if he said, uh, you know, blessed are you, if you uh, uh, the pure in heart, for you'll get, you know, a candy bar. Okay, well, that's pretty good, right? I mean, you know, I like candy bars. You know, maybe it'd be even better like a cookie, right? I mean, I'm a big fan of cookies. And so, you know, that's, that's pretty good. But then if he says, you see God, well, see God trumps getting a cookie, right? I mean, most of the time. Uh, and so uh, that, that's got to be a pretty good thing, right? And we've read the other ones. Uh, and, and this one, to me, it, you get to see God, right? We'll see God where? We'll see God in your life every day, right? Once you see God operating in your life every day, when you want to see God move on your behalf, you know, that's, that's got to be a big thing. But he said, in order to do that, to have God operate, and for you to see him operating in your life like that, you've got to be pure in heart. So a, a lot of times at church, because, you know, we're raised, especially in America, we're raised to, uh, well, I mean, maybe used to, I don't know about anymore nowadays, but we're raised to, you know, kind of uh, be independent and, you know, make our own way and work hard, and, uh, and that's all well and good. But sometimes we take that into our relationship with the Lord and we try to earn God's favor the same way we earn our paycheck. I'm going to work twice as hard as everybody, you know, and do, as, do more work than everybody. And it's, of course, some people never have that goal, right? You know, they work half as much as everybody, you know, and, and try to get away with everything. But, uh, but, you know, our society generally teaches, you know, hard work pays off. Uh, and sometimes we take it into our relationship with the Lord, that, Lord, I'm going to earn your favor by being good. Well, I've been good for a whole day, you know, uh, like all afternoon. I've not, I've not cussed anybody out for hours, Lord, you know, so you owe me, right? Uh, I've been good all afternoon, and so, so now uh, you owe me something. Uh, and, and, and really, the, the mindset is, uh, and it's not that we write it down, but the mindset is we're trying to put God into our debt. Lord, I've done this, now you owe me. And that's really the wrong mindset, because when you get saved, he gives you everything already. So there's nothing left for him to give you. It's already yours. So you can't really earn what's already yours, right? I mean, you don't go to the bank and say, hey, you know, what can I do to earn the $10 withdrawal out of my account? It's like, well, it's already your money. I know, but what can I do to earn that money? Well, it's already yours. And, the, and, and if you argue with them, they look at you like, you need help, right? Uh, let me give you this phone number, right? You can call them and it's 1-800-THERAPY or something and, uh, and they can help you out there, right? You know, you don't go to the bank and try to earn the, your money that's in your account. It's your money, right? And so you're just going to take a withdrawal from it. And so, so we have to get out of the mindset of earning favor with God because we get favor with God because of our relationship with him. And that occurs the, the day you receive him into your heart uh, as, as a Christian. So, so I wanted to talk about what, what the heart is. And so we're, so we're kind of sneaking up on it, right? So we went through 1 Thessalonians 5.23, talked about how, uh, where the Bible says that uh, your, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless. So mankind, every human being is a spirit. Uh, and they are a spirit. They have a soul. And they live in this body. And, of course, we're all very familiar with the bodies we live in. Uh, and uh, we're pretty familiar with our soul because our soul is made up of our mind, our will, and emotions. But the spirit man's kind of a unique because in the church, that's what, it, that's, what is, uh, that's what God defines the makeup of man, a spirit, soul, and body. When you get outside the church, you know, the, the world doesn't, especially the medical world, they don't really know what the spirit is. And so they come up with words like subconscious, right? And they say, well, you did that subconsciously. In other words, there was another voice there that you didn't really know, but it's there, and it kind of led you to do that. Sometimes good things, sometimes bad things, right? Uh, and so, so the, the, you know, the world will come up with phrases uh, because they don't understand. 
Uh, well, we understand because the word of God is clear. You have a spirit. The spirit, uh, the spirit of man is the part that gets born again. And we talked about this, that your spirit man gets born again, sealed by the Holy Ghost. The spirit of God comes and lives on the inside of it. And that was really the whole end game of redemption, right? The whole plan of redemption was to get you, to get the spirit of God in you. But he had to uh, get your spirit man reborn first uh, before you're qualified to receive eternal life in you. So, so if you're a Christian, then right now the condition of your spirit man is it's born again, it's alive unto God, sealed by the Holy Ghost, and contains the Holy Spirit. And that's the condition right now of your spirit. Now, and if, you're, if you will develop it, then that spirit can hear from the Spirit of God because the Spirit of God will speak to your spirit. And it says, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. So it's not in your mind, it's not in the mental realm, it's in the spirit realm. And, and he speaks every day. He'll speak every day to you, uh, whatever he wants to speak to you every day. And if you'll learn to, to listen to that, and the easiest way to develop that is to have a good relationship with the Word of God. Because a lot of times you'll hear something, well, that must be God. And uh, if you don't have a good relationship with the Word of God, you don't know how to judge that. Well, the thing that the Spirit of God will always do is, is he will always speak in line with the Word. So he'll never say anything that violates the Word of God. Uh, and, and I've heard, and I'm sure you have too, you ever, you ever had people tell you things, well, God told me to do this, right? How many of these crazy people have gone and shot up somebody and said, well, God told me to go do that? You think God told them to go do that? No, God didn't tell them to do that because that would be dumb, right? God doesn't tell anybody to go and hurt anybody, right? Uh, and so, so that, because that's what the word, God is love, amen? Uh, and so God's not going to go have you shoot somebody in love, Amen. Uh, and, and yet there's, there's crazy people that say things like that. Well, that on the, uh, that's an easy thing to judge because does that line up with the Word of God? Doesn't, doesn't line up with the Word of God, so it's clearly not the Holy Spirit. It may be a spirit, but it's not the Holy Spirit. So one good way to develop uh, your relationship with the Holy Spirit is to judge everything you hear, uh, you think you hear, by the Word of God. Does that line up with the principles and the, the specific words of God? Uh, and... Uh, and if you ever want to grow and mature as a Christian, that's the only way you'll do it is, is judge everything by the word of God. Because a lot of Christians, they won't judge it. If they, if they hear a voice, well, it was God. Even if it tells them to violate their word. Uh, and, uh, and that's one of the things that I've seen many times, especially, and I've seen it in the charismatic world, Pentecostal world, way more than any other part of the church, that we hear the dumbest things from, from some voice and we say it's God. And it's not God at all. And just a simple judgment of the word would tell you that it's not God. Uh, and and uh, I know when Chris was, uh, 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 I don't remember which one it was, but one of the three kids, we had uh, someone call us up and said, hey, we're going to bring you food. Great, we love food, you know. Uh, you know, for like a week after she had the baby, because otherwise I'd have to cook, and, and uh, that would have been really bad. And so, uh, so the, they had mercy on us, and they were going to bring us food. So, uh, so one lady called us up and said, I'm going to bring you food. Great, you know. She said, uh, well, I'm going to bring you chicken. I love chicken. You know, by law as a pastor, you, you have to like chicken. Of course, I wasn't a pastor back then, but, you know, I, I love chicken. Uh, and so she said, well, what have you had to eat all week? I said, well, we, we've, we've had chicken all week, you know, because apparently everybody else thinks you should eat chicken too, right? And so, now, it, see, it doesn't bother me at all. I mean, some people, you know, they can't have the same food like twice in a row, right? I mean, if it was me, I could have peanut butter and jelly like every day, right? I mean, I'd be glad peanut butter and jelly, you know, like, like forever, right? Uh, and, and uh, uh, you know, like Chris, you know, like, well, well, how about that? Well, we had that once, you know, six months ago. 
well, you know, it's okay to repeat, you know. No, no, it's, it's, not, it's not been a year yet, you know. And so, you know, and that's okay, right? If that's the way she wants to eat, you know. But me, I, PB&J, all day long, right? You know, anybody else like PB&J? And you go to Europe, they think you're, you know, they think it's gross, right? You put jelly, like on peanut butter? Yeah, I mean, really, anything with peanut butter is pretty good, right? <clears throat> and uh, my, my sister put a thing on Facebook. She said, uh, what goes with peanut butter, but you can't say jelly? So I said, jelly. Right, uh, and then she—I said not to say that, uh, but um, anyway. So um, <clears throat> uh, I don't know where we're going, all that stuff there. But oh yeah, so so she said, uh, "What have you had to eat all week?" Well, you've had chicken, right? And, and, and so because uh, she said, "Well, the Lord told me to bring you chicken." I mean, I mean, the Lord never—I mean, me personally, He's never—I never woke up and said, "Thou shalt eat peanut butter today." I mean, I don't need him to tell me that. I'm going to eat it anyway, right? You know, me and Clark, the dog, you know, we both love peanut butter. You know, that's how we give him all of his medicine. We put it on peanut butter, and, and um, it's, it's awesome. And so, but she said that the Lord told her to bring me chicken. Okay, well, thus saith the Lord, you know, thou shalt bring chicken to, to Chip and Chris, you know. Now, did the Lord say that? I mean, I wasn't there, so I don't know. But I'm suspicious, right? Because, I mean... Does the Lord really care? I mean, what you eat? He told you to eat in moderation, but he really said just eat whatever you want to eat, right? Well, what do you want to eat? Well, I don't know. I need a word from heaven. He's probably not going to, you know, it's like, what color car do you want? You know, Lord, what color car should I get? He'd be like, I gave you a brain, right? I'm not going to tell you what color car to get, you know? Now, some people believe the Lord will tell them stuff like that. And I mean, could he? It's possible, but it just just seems, you know, far-fetched to me, right? And so... He cares about all aspects of your life, I know. But, um, but uh, thus saith the Lord, thou shalt make chicken. Okay, so fine, you know, the Lord, the Lord told me to bring you chicken. Okay. So she brings the food there. You know what she brought? Not chicken. Well, why didn't you bring chicken? Well, you had it all week. Now, see, now I'm confused because I'm thinking, well, a minute ago you told me the Lord told you to bring me chicken. So we've got one or two problems now. Either, either you're in rebellion... And you're, I ain't doing it, Lord. I'm going to bring him, you know, macaroni and cheese or whatever. I don't remember what she brought, but it wasn't chicken, right? Or the Lord didn't really tell you that. I mean, that's the only two scenarios I can come up with, right? Either you're in rebellion or he never told you that to begin with, right? So, uh, so you know, our relationship with the Spirit of God is important, amen? Uh, but a lot of times we, we, we use the name of the Lord. Really, he said... Uh, Thou shalt not use his, name, use his name in vain, right? And that's kind of using his name in vain when you're saying that it was the Spirit of God when it really wasn't the Spirit of God. I mean, that, that's, you know, in the Old Testament, that's heresy, right? In the New Testament, it's, it's really stupidity, but, uh, but it's a shame that we do that because it diminishes our relationship with the Lord. When we say the Lord spoke and he didn't really speak, amen? So you've got to be careful about that, you know? Judge everything, uh, and, and it could he, see the thing is I don't want to constrain the Lord because yeah he could tell you right but you know just it just seems really odd that he would tell you here's what you should like because then you become a robot then you have no desires you have you know because I love peanut butter and jelly but everybody doesn't love peanut butter and jelly it's odd to me but you know I have found people who don't like that you know right? and I don't know why but see I like it now I don't need a I don't need a, a voice of the Lord a word from the Lord to decide what do I want to eat for dinner? Now, he may tell me, you know, dummy, you've not been eating this enough, you know, and eat some more of that, you know, and, and that's fine if he wants to do that, but it'd be really odd for me for the Lord to tell me something that's just really my personal preference, right?
because I have a, he made me, right? He made me, me, uh, and he made me the way that I am, and, and I've got to make sure that I live according to his word in that, but uh, so, uh, so uh, in, in this, the pure in heart, then uh, we need to find out what, what, that, what that means, right? So we, that's what we talked about, your spirit, right? Your spirit is the most important aspect of your life. You're born again. That's what's going to live forever with the Lord. That's what contains the Holy Spirit. Uh, it, it's an important part of your life, amen? Now, in, in our world, we're, we're taught to elevate our mind. We're taught to elevate our bodies, but really in the, in the church, we should elevate our spirits, right? Our spirits should be the most important aspect of our life. So, <clears throat> so that's your spirit. And then uh, let's turn over to Romans chapter 12, or let's turn over to uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 9. <clears throat> I just want to uh, real quick go over spirit, soul, and body so that we can then find out what the heart is. But in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul said, <clears throat> if I can get over there, in verse 27, he said, but I keep under my body and bring it in subjection, lest it by any means when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. And so just hold that thought and go over to Romans chapter 7. <clears throat> so Paul said, um, uh, we had read some of this before, in Romans chapter 7, verse 16, he said, if then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. In other words, he's saying, if you know you're doing wrong, then, then you know that there's a law, right? You know that there's an absolute. And that's where the world's always struggling, even if people in a church, that there are no absolutes. If it feels good, do it. That's what my high school history teacher would tell me, Mr. Fisher. He said, we should just live in such a way that if it feels good, we should do it. Well, no, you know, that's, that's really dumb because if it feels good to take your neighbor's uh, money, then you should do that, right? You know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't do that, right? <clears throat> and so, um, but the world wants no constraints. And much of the church wants no constraints. But really, the only constraint that you'll have is, is in uh, your flesh. There's no constraints in the realm of the Spirit. If the Spirit of God tells you to do something, then you're 100% free to do that. Amen? Every single time. Now, you've got to make sure it really is the Spirit of God and not just you're saying it's the Spirit of God. But in the, in, in the flesh, you know, in, in, in the, this natural body, which contains the sin nature, it needs to be under constraint. Paul said, I keep my body under. Well, under what? Under the authority of my Spirit. He said, because if I don't, it's going to cause me to be a castaway. You know, people that just live in their flesh all the time, they're cast away from following the will of God. Right? They're unable to complete the will of God in their life. And it's not that they're, they're, they're going to die and go to hell immediately, uh, but if they don't change, they could, right? And so uh, that's another whole discussion for another day. But Paul said uh, in verse 17, Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me, for I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. So the, the sin nature that is passed down uh, from generation to generation resides in your flesh, in your physical body. And Paul said you've got to keep that under. Uh, and uh, Paul said that there is, there's nothing good in there. So you should never follow the, the whims of your flesh, right? And, and you have to learn to distinguish, well, is this flesh or the spirit? Well, again, you go back to the Word of God. Does it line up with the Word of God or does it not line up with the Word of God? And that'll help you to discern between those two. Amen. And, you know, sometimes in prayer, you have to find out, well, Lord, you know, I sense I need to do this. Is this really you? Is this just my flesh wanting to do this? Uh, and then, you know, you can you, oftentimes through prayer and, and spending time with the Lord, you can find those things out. But, but Paul said the status of our physical bodies right now is that it contains a sin nature and there's nothing good ever going to come out of it. All you can do is keep it under. So when it wants to eat all the donuts, 
just tell it, shut up, right? You know, you let it have one, uh, you know, maybe two. If, if your wife's not looking, you can have three, right? But that's it. And then, you know, <clears throat> and then you cut it off, right? Uh, and so I had a friend of mine, his wife went out of town, <laughs> and, uh, you know, he ate whatever he ate, and then on Monday, he's, in the, he's at the doctor's office at the hospital, right? And uh, well, what'd you eat? Well, they ate five Fox Deluxe frozen pizzas, right? And if you look at the main ingredient of the cheese in that pizza, you know what the main ingredient is? It's gum, right? So if you eat five frozen pizzas in a weekend, what's going to happen? <laughs> things don't move like they ought to move, right? So they had to get a stick of dynamite and get things moving again. Uh, and so, uh, but um, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, amen? So that's the, that's the status of your, of your flesh right now. Nothing good will come of it, right? Well, I just had to tell him that. Man, that sounds like the flesh to me. Because if you have to do it, see, with the Lord you get to do it, but with the flesh you have to do it, right? So if, if it's driving you to do it, it's probably just your flesh, right? Uh, and so, and that's how you can learn to distinguish between those. Uh, is I need to know, is this my, my flesh or the Spirit that's wanting me to do this? Well, uh, are you driven to do it? Because the Lord will lead you to do it, but He won't drive you to do it. Uh, and is it something that's going to be unkind in, in its action? Well, I mean, that's going to be the flesh, right? Uh, but then we, we wrap it up in spiritual sounding words. Well, I had to do that. Uh, and is that a biblical phrase? No, because uh, the, the, one of the greatest things, and, and uh, let's turn over to uh, Romans, we're in Romans chapter 7, let's turn over to chapter 12, uh, because this goes to the next step here. He said in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. So that's what you should do with your body. It's a living sacrifice. In other words, you don't kill it, right? Some people, oh, I gotta go, you know, kill my body because, you know, it's, it's evil. No, it's a living sacrifice. In other words, it's just kept under, right? We don't, we don't harm it, you know, but we don't listen to it. Uh, that's the way we ought to live. Uh, and so, and he said in verse 2, and be not conformed to this world, now, you know, that we could, we're not going to meddle there, but you can meddle a long time in that. You know, it's not that uh, we don't do anything like the world at all. I mean, if you look at this stage, right, speakers, are there any speakers in the world? There's speakers in the world, right? What about podiums? There's podiums in the world, right? Most of them don't say faith on them, but, you know, uh, there are podiums in the world, right? Microphones and, and stages and lights, you know, all this, this stuff's in the world, right? But are we trying to look like the world? No, we just need, we need speakers and we need podiums and we need microphones to do what we want to do. And so we're not trying to look like the world, but, you know, the world uh, may, may do things the same, uh, using the same materials that we use. Uh, so the, the distinction is, uh, where are we looking for inspiration of what to do? So if we're saying, well, you know, the world can get a lot of people by, you know, selling beer. So we're going to have a, a, a keg party on Saturday at the church. Uh, and will that bring in people? Well, it'll bring all kinds of people, right? Uh, we'll see that that's being conformed to the world, right? Doing things the worldly way. Uh, and so, you know, you've got to find that own path for you. Much of the church struggles in this area because they will use worldly means to bring people into the church. And I'd much rather bring in spiritual means and, you know, the pray for the sick or, you know, signs and wonders and diverse miracles and, uh, you know, words from the Lord to, to bring in the people. Amen? Uh, and so... Uh, so Paul said, be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by, by the renewing of your mind. So uh, your spirit man is made brand new and is perfect. But your mind needs to be renewed every day. 
Uh, and, and what does it need to be renewed to? It needs to be renewed to think like the Word and talk like the Word. Uh, and so your mind is part of your soulless man. So uh, the soul is the mind, the will, and the emotions, those three areas. And those three areas need to be renewed. And you'll have to renew them every day from now until your last breath on the earth because uh, those areas are not, have not been fully uh, uh, made new like your spirit man is. So your spirit man's made brand new, perfectly brand new, just like the Lord. But your mind, your will, and your emotions have to be renewed. So you have to take those three areas of your life and say, uh, are they operating like the Word wants them to operate? And if they're not, you know, if you're being unkind or you're gossiping or you're, you know, you're being rude or whatever it is, uh, is that lined up with the Word of God? If it's not, then you tell your, your emotions to line up. You know, uh, who gave us emotions? Well, the Lord did, right? Did He give us all the emotions that we have? Sure, He did, right? So are there anything wrong with having emotions? There's nothing wrong with having emotions, but where we get in the error is when our emotions run us. Well, I just couldn't help it. See, now your emotions are running your life, right? Because if you say you couldn't help it, then your emotions are dictating to you what you should do. No, your emotions should always be under the authority of your spirit man. So if your emotions want to get mad, and your spirit man goes, don't do that. Okay, then I'm not going to get mad, right? Well, you can't just not get mad. Sure, you can just not get mad. Because see, if your spirit man's in charge, which it should be, then it dictates whether or not you're going to allow your emotions to express themselves. Well, I'm just so depressed. Well, you know, you can't just say, don't be depressed. Sure, according to the Word of God, I can say, just don't be depressed. Uh, now, sometimes you need help. Sometimes you need hands laid on you. Sometimes you need to be remembered that the joy of the Lord is your strength. But at the end of the day, you get to choose. You get to choose if you're happy. You get to choose if you're sad. You get to choose if you're mad. You get to choose if you're not mad. You get to choose. And any doctrine that says you don't get a choice is bad doctrine because if you go all the way back to the book of Genesis when the Lord created mankind, he said, let us create man in our image. But what's one of the greatest things the Lord gave to us that is like him? And one of the greatest things the Lord gave to us is free will. You get to choose. And in the church, there seems like there's a struggle about the doctrine of free will. Well, you know, you don't really have a free will. God's already decided everything for you. Well, then let's eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die, right? I mean, that's kind of, if God's already decided if I'm, if I'm going to heaven or not, I don't have a free will in that, then I can just live however I want to. And there's people in the church who believe that, stuff like that, right? And yet you go through the Word of God, and just in the Beatitudes, uh, if you do this, you get that over here, right? All of the Beatitudes said, if you do this, you get this blessing. Well, that's a choice, right? That nobody makes you do those things. Well, the Lord always knows, you know, well, he does know, but he's not making you do that. Amen. That's the difference between uh, uh, his foreknowledge of that and your free will. So you have a free will to do everything you want to. Uh, and, uh, and so in some people's doctrine, the Lord's already chosen, you know, you get to go to heaven, you don't get to go to heaven. Nothing you can do about it. Well, that's not a free will. Amen. Uh, but everybody that's in hell today is there by free will. Right? They chose not to accept the Lord. God didn't send them there. Uh, they chose not to accept the Lord, amen? Uh, and so, so the, the, the issue with our, our soul is we have to renew it every day. And he said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So your whole life can be transformed if you will get your mind in subjection to the Word of God and the Spirit of God and to your spirit specifically. Uh, and, and that takes a lot of work because, you know, I don't want to go into, I mean, we could spend, I think I spent months teaching about uh, having a biblical mental health. Uh, and one of the greatest things is every thought that comes into your life before you decide that, yeah, I'm going to dwell on that, 
uh, does this line up with the Word of God, right? It's just take captive every thought. And I do, I take captive every thought. And, and someone wants to tell me, you know, in fact, uh, you know, not long ago someone said, well, this person, you know, they hate you. And, and you know, a lot of times, I remember growing up, you know, my reaction to that would be, I'd be so depressed and sad, well, they hate me, I hadn't done nothing to them, you know, and, uh, and, and it didn't affect me at all. Why? Because I took that thought captive, and, and, and I looked at it and I go, well, so what if they hate me? God loves me. They hate me. Yeah, but I'm on my way to heaven. Yeah, but they hate me. Yeah, but he blesses me every day. Yeah, but they hate me. So when I compare what the word says to what they said, there's no comparison. So that thought has no, it, does, it doesn't have any impact on my life. It just goes right on by me, right? So, you know, and that takes a lot of work to get there, but if you get there, it's a great place to be. You know, so, well, I, you know, well, I hate you. Wow, that is your loss, right? So you won't, you won't be hurt and, you know, wounded and scarred and all these things. And, and we, we're going to learn about the brokenhearted in part of this verse here. But our minds have to be renewed, right? Our soulless man has to be renewed, our mind, our will, and emotions. So, and so out of those three, the, really the most important one is your will. Your will is sovereign. <clears throat> and, and this is one of the hardest things. Well, it's not hard, I think, in our circles, but in the churches, there's whole groups of people who don't believe that you have a sovereign will. You get to make no choices. All the choices have already been made for you, and you don't even know it. You're just, you're just a, a mindless robot just plodding through life and doing what has already been ordained for you to do. That, that's just the dumbest thing. I mean, it's like there's no scripture for that at all, right? I mean, there's one they pull out of Ephesians chapter 1, which is a complete uh, tragedy of, of biblical scholarship when they pull that out like that. Uh, but, <clears throat> but you have a free will. That means you get to decide every day. You get to decide every day if you're going to be good or bad. You get to decide every day if you're going to live for the Lord or not live for the Lord. And, and, and the things of the eternity, you get to decide if you're going to go to heaven or not go to heaven. It's not God's decision. God sent his own son, right? God so loved the world that gave his only begotten son. He did all the work, and he said, I've, I've gone to the cross, I've, I've, I've shed blood, I've died, I've been raised from the dead, and then he, then he hands it to us. Here, now you choose. You can choose to, to follow me and accept all the work I did for you, you can choose not to. Now, if you're an intelligent human being, which apparently there's not a lot of them, but if you were an intelligent human being, you go, well, that's a good, good deal for me, right? You mean you did all the work. You paid for my sins. You got me on my way to heaven. You'll li live, uh, let me live in divine health, full of prosperity, full of joy. And all I got to do is basically say, yes, yeah, that's the deal. You know, I don't think I want to do that. Well, who would do that, right? Who would make that choice? But people every day do that, right? They don't believe it. Well, that's fine. They don't believe it, but it's still true. Amen. Uh, the days of heaven upon the earth. That's the way the Lord wants us to live. So you have a free will. A and what you'll find is all of your problems in your life are rooted in the choices that your free will has made. Every problem you've got, your choice, right? Your will. It's not somebody else. It's your will. Because if somebody says they hate you, well, now I'm sad. Well, no, your free will decided to be sad. Because, you know, and, and I've uh, told this story before, but maybe to help, <clears throat> you know, the way, I, the way I was raised was kind of like the mafia. Anybody raised like mafia, right? You do anything to me, that is it. You're on the list till forever. You know, I'll die before you're off this list. And man, I had a long list too, right? I'm only like 11, 12 years old. Man, I had a list, right? Because, you know, I had the youngest of 11, so a lot of my family was on the list, right? <clears throat> and so, uh, but uh, you, you're on the list. Uh, and, and so, um, you know, you had to, you get saved, but he said, when you get saved, you know, your mind doesn't get made brand new. Your spirit does, but not your mind. So you kind of take those things that you were doing before you got saved right on into your Christian life, right? 
you know, you get mad and hold something against somebody before, now you're going to get mad and hold somebody against somebody now, right? And, and I remember after getting married, and we've been married for a while, uh, Chris had done something, and, you know, I would blame her, uh, and, uh, and I got mad. You ever got mad at your spouse, you know? I got mad, uh, and I don't even know what it was. I'm sure it was something important, like she burned the biscuits, you know, or, you know, uh, didn't make enough cookies, or, you know, something really important like that, and so, so I'm just, and, and you know, for me, back, back in the day, now this wasn't yesterday, this was, you know, many, many decades ago, but, uh, you know, it would take a while. You ever got mad, it's just going to take a while? I think there's like a country song, I'm going to be mad for a while, right? <clears throat> you know, you just get mad for a while, you know, day, you know, not forever, because, you know, you can't hold it against it forever, because, you know, you want her to make cookies again sometime, right? And so you, if you're mad forever, she may never make you cookies again. So, <clears throat> but, you know, it's going to take a day or two, right? Probably not a week, but, you know, probably a day or two, and, and then you get over it. Well, I'm, you ever hear people say, I'm, I'm, I'm getting over it, right? I, I love that. I'm getting over it. Well, how long have you been getting over it? For 18 years. You're not getting over it. You're lying. You don't want to get over it. You want to hang on to it as long as you can, right? So don't tell me you're getting over it and it's been 18 years. But, you know, it's been, yeah, I don't know how long it's been, maybe a day or so. And, and so I was getting ready to go to work one day, and the Lord spoke to me. And he said, these, he said, you can quit being mad anytime you want to. And it was like a revelation. And just like that, I wasn't mad. I thought, that's like magic. You mean I get to decide if I'm mad or not? Well, sure, because I have a sovereign will. I can choose to get mad. I can choose not to get mad. Well, you're, you're, you, know, you have so much self-control. It's not self-control. It's just it's a decision. I can choose to get mad at that statement. I can choose not to get mad at the statement. It's as simple as that. It's not hard. It's not even a great revelation. I mean, it, it really is a blessing, uh, the revelation to me, that I get to choose. So I get to choose because I have a sovereign will. A sovereign will just means that it answers to nobody unless I want it to. That's what a, being, having a sovereign will means. God is sovereign. Are we talk about God's sovereignty. Well, God is sovereign because who does he answer to? You don't answer to nobody, right? Well, you have a sovereign will. You don't answer to anybody. Now, if you want to, you can, right? Because we can choose to allow the Lord to be our, the Lord of our life. So, so I take my sovereign will and I choose to subject it to him. It's a choice. Nobody made me do it. You know, and if I choose not to do that on this life, then I will, I will die and go to hell. And, uh, and, and my will will still be there, but it will be suppressed. I won't be able to express my free will if I'm in, he in hell because I'll be just like all the prisoners. You think all the prisoners in jail want to be there? They all want to be gone. They all want to be free. But see, their will is constrained because of their actions. And so, you know, they still have a free will. They just can't, it's constrained. And so, so I have a free will. So the understanding of the free will is really important in understanding what the heart is because who gave you a free will? God did, right? So you have a free will. God made you. He let us make man in our image. So he has a free will. You have a free will. So that's, that's one of the greatest uh, aspects of, of humanity that the God has given to us is we have a free will. And again, anybody who says that, uh, that you don't have a free will, any doctrine that says you don't have a choice is bad doctrine. And so that goes back to, you know, that, and, and if, you, if you understand that, see, then you can understand why is it so important that like the homosexual community, why is it so important for them to say, I was born that way? It's important for them to say that because they keep saying it over and over, and they think if they say it enough, it's true, but just because you say it, it's not true. But they keep saying that because if they say that, then what they're saying is, I don't have a choice. I can't help what I do. So that's, and that's why they say that. So they're trying to remove the free will out of the, out of the, out of the uh, equation there, so that you can't say, well, that's just wrong. Well, that's sin. 
because it's sin, right? But uh, you, how dare you sin? I was born that way. No, you get to make a choice every day, right? You can, I mean, it's just like my, I, I've been married now for 32 years, almost 33 years, and I love my wife dearly. But I didn't come out of the womb loving her. I didn't even know her. So I didn't, I didn't start to love her until I got to know her and spent time with her and, and fellowship with her and did things and played racquetball with her and whatever. And, and uh, mostly we studied in the library, right? Uh, I mean, she was an engineer. I was an engineer. And, and our hot dates were, let's go to the base, basement of the library and study for eight hours, right? I mean, it's so exciting. Uh, and so, but my love for her developed over time when I spent time with her. And when you get into those environments and, and uh, you know, and of course part of it is the devil lying to you too. But, you know, he said, well, I, you know, I can't help who I love. Well, you didn't come out of the womb loving them. You totally get to choose who you love. Amen? It's not, it's not or you've got to love that person, right? Uh, you know, I know the, the will of God is there, but you still have to choose to do it. Amen? Uh, and, so, so, and so that's why, you know, in the homosexual community, they, they, it's so important for them to say, I was born that way because they're trying to say, I don't have a choice. They totally have a choice. Everything you do is a totally a choice. Amen. Uh, everywhere you're at today is because of the choices you made yesterday. Uh, and so, so, the, so the root of, uh, of what a heart is, is important to know that it, it's uh, got something to do with your, with your will. Amen. Uh, and so just real quick, let's turn over to Romans chapter 10. Uh, so, the, of course, the book of Romans is just an awesome book, right? Uh, and so here we are in, in, in Romans chapter 10. So, so we know spirit's on the body. Your spirit man, born again, sealed by the Holy Ghost, perfect until forever. It's just like God. Your body can't do nothing with it. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it wants to do bad all the time. Uh, and in the middle is your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. And really the most important aspect of your soul is your will, the part that makes the, cho- the choices and decisions. Uh, and it has to be renewed. So that spirit, soul, and body... And then we get to the heart. So um, what is the heart? Well, let's read here in Romans chapter 10. Now we use, let's start in verse 9. It says, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So we use verse 9 for salvation, right? Rightfully so. So how do you get saved? You've got to do two things. Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. That's it, right? Uh, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And if you do those two things, and only those, only those two things, you'll be saved. Isn't that what he says? That's what he says, right? So, of course, we know the second one there, believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. You know, most people that are not just cynical and, you know, whatever, will say, oh, yeah, Jesus was raised from the dead. That's Easter, right? And, yeah, yeah, you know, that happened. Uh, you know, you get some, some people that aren't very bright. And, well, that never happened. Well, it's a historical fact. It happened. Uh, and so... You know, a lot of people will believe that, but that, that doesn't get you into heaven yet. He said the first part of that, that you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. And this is really where I think the church is on a disservice to people because we never explained what this really means. Uh, and so he said, in order to get saved, you've got to confess with your own mouth the Lord Jesus. In other words, you've got to say, I choose to make somebody else the Lord of my life, or I choose as an act of my will to let somebody else be in charge of my life. Well, I'm in charge of my life. Well, then die and go to hell. I mean, you know, it's just simple as that. It, it's, not, it's not complicated, right? We have sovereign will. We can choose to take that will and say, I choose to let somebody else be in charge of my life. Not a person, not a church, not a religion, not a, not a denomination, a person, right? A, the Lord Jesus, to, I confess him as my Lord, right? So I'm not confessing the pastor as my Lord. I'm not confessing my spouse as my Lord my boss or the government, 
I'm only confessing the Lord Jesus as my Lord. He said, and you have to do that, right? Jesus said, the man must be born again. This is how you get born again. He says, if you do those two things, you get saved. Uh, and so uh, part of the salvation experience is I choose as an act of my will to now allow somebody else, the Lord Jesus, to now be, uh, to rule and reign in my life. And to the very best of my ability, I choose to let him run my life. Uh, and I've prayed for people before, you know, I want to get saved. Okay, well, you know, are you willing to make Jesus the Lord of your life, to, to do all that he asks you to do? Well, you know, I'll, I'll try. I mean, do you go get your job interview and, hey, you know, can you do this job? Well, I'll try. You think they'd hire you? They wouldn't hire you, you know. Well, I'll try, you know. Can you do it or not? Well, I don't know. I'll try. That's not a, that's not a decision. That's, that's, a, that's you uh, holding, you know, holding an ace in your pocket going, in case I don't want to, you know, then, then you know, I just told you I don't, the best I could do is try, right? No, that's not good enough for the Lord. You know, you don't have to buy anything or, or sell anything or, or do anything like swim an ocean or climb a mountain or anything to get saved. Some big thing. He just wants your whole life, right? He wants you to say, I choose to let somebody else be the Lord of my life. Uh, and, th and that's it, right? You choose to, Lord, you're the Lord of my life. Whatever you ask me to do. Well, I'm a, he's going to send me to Africa. How do you know he's going to send you to Africa? You're not even saved yet. Why would you think that, right? Uh, and... Uh, Mostly, he just wants you to do, to do the word, right? Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, if there's anything, if there's any fear, see, a lot of times people, I'm afraid to get saved because, you know, you think that's coming from God? You think God's putting fear in your life to get saved, that he's going to ask you to do something, whatever, that would bring harm to your life? Would the Lord ever do anything to bring harm to your life? Well, no. So, you know, if you really knew the Lord, the best thing in the world to do is get saved because there's going to be blessing and increase and, and joy and peace and all the wonderful benefits that come from heaven. So those are the two things, right? That you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. I choose to confess, and that's, you know, that's why we, you know, you know, when we get saved, you know, have people come up here and, and pray for them, and it's a testament. They're declaring, you know, that Lord, the Lord Jesus is now my Lord. I choose to do that, amen? Uh, now, I did this in my, in my uh, bedroom when I was 15 years old. You know, I, didn't, there, I wasn't going to church. I saw this on TV. I did this at home. You know, you can do this at home. It works at home. works in the, the closet, in the garage. It works everywhere, right? You don't have to come down, but, but you still got to confess, Lord, I choose to make you Lord of my life. Uh, and I believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. By believing that God raised Jesus from the dead, of course, you have to believe everything else he did. He went to the cross, died, shed blood, you know. Uh, so he's just summarizing there that if you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, that was a final act of redemption. And, and you're believing that all the work that he did uh, is so. Even if you don't necessarily know all the details of it, you're still in general believing that, you know, this happened. And that's it. That's all you got to do to get saved. Two things, right? And then he said in verse 10, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So this verse is kind of where I started many years ago studying about the heart and trying to understand, you know, what exactly is the heart? And, and this verse is kind of the, 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 the pivotal point uh, of understanding that. And so, uh, of course, we're about run out of time today, but I want to just give you a little bit of insight into this. Because he said, with, with the heart, man believes on the righteous. Now, in the charismatic world, what you'll hear a lot of times is the heart is the same thing as the spirit. But that's a little odd because, first of all, they're two different words. So why would the Lord use two different uh, words to describe the exact same thing, right? Uh, and so they're not. They're, they're two different things. Uh, and so, <clears throat> uh, but what is the heart? Well, if you think about, he said, for the heart man believes. 
So then, so then I started backing up, okay, well then how do I believe, right? How does, how, we're in Romans chapter 10 right there, right? Down in verse 17, it says, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I started meditating on, well, how does faith operate, right? How does, how does the believing work? How does faith work? You know, when I first got saved, I would see these people like Kenneth Copeland on TV and they had all this great faith. And how do you get great faith? You know, I want to have, I want to have great faith like I have faith because I thought it was this big, hard thing to obtain and, you know, only special people had it and, uh, and, uh, and, I, and I was hopeless to ever get that much faith. But he says right there, faith, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So, so I just want to uh, maybe end today with how does faith work because then you'll understand kind of what the heart is. And then, then we'll go into a little bit more detail next week about uh, all the aspects of the heart because our goal is to get to a pure heart. If we get a pure heart, we see God, right? But we need to understand the heart so we can do that. If you don't understand what the heart is, and, and I know we're taking a long time to do this, but you know, th- this, this took a long time to figure out. And uh, once you understand it, it's pretty easy, really. But uh, living it, you know, like all things with the Lord, it's like anybody ever played golf? Anybody could swing a club, right? I mean, that part's easy. But getting that club to go in that ball or go in that direction, you'll spend the rest of your life, right, trying to figure it out. And that's kind of the same thing with get, you get saved pretty easy, right? Believe and confess, pretty easy, right? You'll spend the rest of your life figuring the rest of, the, rest of it all out. So how does faith work? So he said faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the root of all faith always starts with the word of God, always starts with the Bible, words out of the Bible. That's how faith works. And as you read the word of God or hear the word of God preached, that word will come to your heart, right? He said, for the heart man believes. So that word will come to you, and to your spirit man specifically, and along with it is the revelation from the Spirit of God because the Bible is alive, right? The word of God is alive and active. It's not just dead words on a page. It's when you read that, the Spirit of God will speak to you. And he will reveal to you what this word means for your life. So he will reveal for you, just like we read there, that, uh, that if you believe and confess, you'll be saved. So when you hear that word, that word will come to you and the revelation of that, of that word will come to your spirit man specifically because it comes from the spirit of God. And, but that's not faith yet. So you know in your heart, okay, you know, that, that, that seems right. That seems, I mean, I, yeah, I see that. Yeah, I think that's right. I think if I believe and confess, I'll get saved. So that, that's the revelation of the Holy Spirit. That's why the Holy Spirit that in Christianity is so great because it's not just printed words on a page. It's printed words on a page combined with the revelation of the Spirit of God that comes to our hearts. And that, so that comes to you, right? You, uh, we read the Word of God, and you ever read the same verse over and over again, and, and one day it just all seemed to click? Well, that's the Spirit of God in that moment giving you the revelation for that Word. But see, that's not faith yet. See, He does His job, which is when you, when you read the Word of God or the Word of God is preached, the Spirit of God will always do His part. He will bring that Word of God to your, to your spirit man, with the revelation that this is for you today, it belongs to you today, now what do you want to do with it? So that's the second, second part of faith, of how faith works, is you have to choose to accept it, right? So, so healing, right, divine healing, uh, well-documented doctrine throughout the Word of God, throughout basically every book of the Bible talks about healing, but how many people in the church don't believe in, in divine healing? Lots of people, yet it's in there, right? By his stripes, you were healed. Did he take stripes? He did. If he took stripes, then you're healed. Well, I don't believe that. Well, it doesn't matter. It still says it, right? So that word comes to you that by your stripes you were healed. And you know in your spirit, man, that's so. But your mind goes, well, I know, I know Grandma Susie Q, she died of cancer, so God must not heal, right? 
uh, Aunt Jemima, you know, she died, you know, of, of the plague, you know, and, and you know, uh, and, and I mean, we, we go through all these scenarios, and so our mind is trying to say why it's not so. Uh, so that's our intellect. But at the end of the day, your will will go, I choose to accept that. Or your will may go, I don't, I don't accept that. See, that's, that's your soul, right? Your will. Your will has to make a decision for faith to be real. Your will has to look at that word of God and say, yes, that's for me today. I believe that the word is so. I believe the Lord wants me to have this. I choose to accept that. Because just as likely you could say, uh, I don't believe that. It's not for us today. It died with the last apostle. God doesn't want me to be blessed. I choose to reject that. Now, before that, it's still the same spirit of God, same word of God, same revelation that comes to your spirit man by the spirit of God, but your will has to get involved and go, I choose to accept it, or I choose to reject it. And, uh, and then that, he says, for what the heart man believes. So the heart here is when your will hooks up with your spirit. Uh, and so what we'll find uh, next week is whatever your will hooks up with, that is your heart. So your will, if your will hooks up with your spirit man, then that's a pure heart. When your will is perfectly lined up with your spirit man, that's a pure heart. And we'll look at some details next week when we see that more. If your will hooks up with, your, with, your, with say, your mind, well, I don't know if that's so. See, that's a heart of doubt and unbelief, and we're going to talk about that too. Uh, or uh, if you go, well, no, that ain't so. You know, God doesn't want to bless me. The Hebrews calls that an evil heart of unbelief, and that's hooking up with your flesh. That's when your mind hooks up with your flesh, your sin nature, and go, God doesn't want to bless me. Well, that's an evil heart of unbelief. So, so the heart, in, as a New Testament Christian, you can go through the whole spectrum of the heart, it, all the way from an evil heart of unbelief, all the way to a pure heart. Now, your spirit man's always pure, but your heart can change depending on what your will hooks up with. And, so, and that's really important because if you understand how faith works, faith is always, uh, is always a combination of when you choose to accept what your spirit man is telling you, then you can believe. Uh, and that makes it real easy, right? Uh, we always get the revelation from our spirits, always get the revelation from the Word of God, and our mind will make a decision, or will will make a decision. I choose to accept that, or I choose to reject that. Uh, and when, when that will hooks up with your spirit, man, that is a pure heart, and that's what we want to get to, right? Uh, and, and so what we'll find next week is, is um, um, a Christian, a born-again Christian, can have all these different kinds of hearts, a deceived heart, an evil heart, a doubting heart, and yet you're born again on the way to heaven. And how can you have those things if, you're, if your heart's your spirit man? Because we know, if, you know, based on the word of God, and we, we look at it, your spirit man is perfect, pure. There's no, no issues with your spirit man. But you still have a choice in everything you do, everything you believe. You've got a choice. And that choice is, is the root cause of all of our problems. It's also the root cause of all of our success. You choose to follow your spirit man every day, what does Galatians 5.16 say? That if you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So you have a choice to walk in the Spirit every day. If you choose to walk in the Spirit every day, you will never fall again, never sin again the rest of your life. Uh, and, that, and that's what he says in Galatians 5.16. So what we want to get to then is, well, Lord, I want to have a pure heart. Easiest thing in the world to have a pure heart. It's not earned. It, it's, it's just something you decide to do. Amen. Uh, but it does take some practice. Just like, you know, if you want to play golf, it takes some practice, right, to, to not... Um, I know we played golf one time and uh, somewhere, I'm not a very good golf player, you know, uh, but uh, uh, there was these two retired ladies in a golf cart, you know, uh, uh, 
the golf ball went right through their cart. You know, one was standing on the outside, one was sitting on the inside, and went right through their golf cart, you know. And you holler four, but, you know, they're retired ladies. They can't move that fast, right? And so it was too late, you know. It just whizzed right by them. So and these still need a lot of practice there. Uh, and you, you'll spend the rest of your life practicing these things. You know, that's okay. We can get better at it, amen? So, uh, so just on what, what I want to leave you with today is we're going to look at the heart and understanding that uh, God made you with a will. God made you with a spirit, soul, and body. Uh, and, uh, and so when the Bible talks about the heart, we'll see exactly what that means, right? It's, when, it's whatever your will is connected to it determines the qualification of your heart. Uh, and, uh, and we'll look at a bunch of scriptures and we'll show that it's so, amen? Uh, and so we're not trying to create new doctrine. We just want to see what the Word of God says about these things, amen? Uh, and so we can get there. I believe we can get there. And so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. And, Father, we thank you that uh, you said that the pure in heart shall see God. And, Father, more than anything, uh, more than anything in this life, it would be such a blessing to see you operate in our life, to see you in everything that we do, to see you, Father, by the realm of the Spirit uh, in everything that we do, Father, everywhere that we go. And so you, Lord, said you said we could have that. And so, Father, we thank you that you show us exactly how to do that how to get from here to there, Father, and to become the people that you desire us to be. And so we thank you for that, Father. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? Uh, so I want to take a little time on this because um, it's an area that we, we don't have a lot of teaching in the church, and I really have never heard anybody taught it this way, uh, but I believe it's the Word of God, and it's been a blessing to my life understanding these things, and, and I hope that uh, my goal and desire is for it to be as, just as much of a blessing for you as it has been for me, amen? Uh, and uh, just real quick before we receive the offering, uh, let's just take a minute and pray, because uh, uh, I know uh, Mr. Stanley's is out not well. Uh, I know Miss Mildred has been out not well. Uh, and um, we're not going to pray for Johnny and Nancy. They're at home eating, you know, so, you know, they don't need any prayer, but... Uh, uh, let's pray for the folks that uh, are not doing well today. Amen. And so, Father, we thank you for uh, the, your blessings each and every day. And, Father, we thank you for our friend, Mr. Stanley. Uh, Father, we speak life and health to his body. It's your desire, Father, that he live in divine health, free from sickness and disease. And, Father, we, we stand in agreement for his health, for full and complete recovery, Father. Uh, and for Miss Mildred, Father, that uh, where she had fallen, we thank you, Father, and speak life and health to her body, that she's well and whole and healed, Father. And, Father, we thank you that uh, you are the God of healing, that you still desire to heal us, Father. And so, Lord, we declare it with our mouth that they are the healed of God. And we thank you for that, Father, and we give you all the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, praise God. I think we can receive the offering now. So uh, let's get ready to receive this morning's tithes and offering. And... Um, um, appreciate y'all's faithful giving, amen. Um, we've paid for like half of the construction work uh, and half of the roof, and um, uh, so we got to pay for the second half of the roof, second half of the construction. Um, and um, uh, we did have uh, when they were doing the roof uh, on one section of the roof, there wasn't any plywood there, so they had to go buy plywood. Anybody bought plywood lately? Yeah. It's like uh, like a thousand dollars a sheet, something like that, right? So. Anyway, we had, it cost about an extra $5,000 for the plywood there, so, um, uh, but that's okay. We, uh, they were able to actually get it, so that part was good. So, um, but uh, uh, the Lord is faithful, amen? He's good and kind to us. And so 
uh, Jared come ahead and receive the offering. And then, um, uh, of course, we had prayer Friday night, right? And, uh, and it's always good to get together and pray. And then um, next Sunday, we will have church meal after church, right? So um, if I see anybody sneaking in the kitchen during the service, I'll probably call you out publicly, you know, because, you know, if I got to wait, you got to wait too, right? Or maybe one of these days I'll just preach and I'll just go start eating. You know, just go in the kitchen and start eating, right? Uh, and so, um, but that'll be next Sunday. And um, um, I think that's it, right? A month from now, not even that. Uh, uh, Larry Hutton's coming. So don't forget we have a healing school today at 3 o'clock. And um, have a wonderful uh, afternoon. Amen. You're dismissed.